Blog Talk Radio. The following program is brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Hello and welcome to Discovering Taoist Wicca. This is our Himbulk show with your host, Susie Peltier, also known as Lady Redhawk, and I'm John Carousella. Susie will be leading us in, a, in an exploration of Imbolc, or Bridget's Day, February 2nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a little background on Susie. Uh, Susie Peltier, also known as Lady Redhawk, has served the goddess and the principle of holism, which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, for nearly 30 years as a third-degree priestess, Reiki master teacher, massage therapist, and hypnotherapist. With a background in medical anthropology, Susie pursued a burning question. How is ritual used for healing? Over 20 years ago, she established a Wiccan Sabbath circle, which continues today with practitioners and small circles across the U.S. and as far away as Ireland. From this experience was born the vision and new tradition of Taoist Wicca and Susie's upcoming book entitled The Wisdom of the Seasons, Discovering Taoist Wicca. Susie, it's in bulk time. <laughs> what are we gonna what are we gonna learn? Wow. Well, in bulk uh first of all translates from uh use milk in the Celtic Gaelic language. Use milk. Use milk. So it is the birthing of the new lambs. And um, so oh, it is use the, milk, not use, not, uh, not, command not, to not use belonging milk. <laughs> to you. No, it is as in no female sheep. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> and um, uh, so we're going to be taking a look at um, Dallas Wicca uh, from a look at holism, which is kind of how I came to devise this system uh, or was inspired to devise the system. And um, in short, Taoist Wick is a cross-cultural look at the wheel of the year and uh, shows you a way that you can use a pr- find a practical coaching tool for personal growth. So using Taoist principles and chakra wisdom, Taoist uh, Wick is a process of applied introspection that works with the Sabbaths as thematic and energetic connections between the body, the mind, and the spirit. And that sounds like holism. It is holism, yes. Yes. Actually, Wicca, Taoism, the chakras were all holistic systems. Right. Meaning they all assumed that the body, mind, and spirit were um, linked, communicating, and reciprocating, and... Responding to one another. Responding to one another. And that actually imbalances the sudden inability of one aspect of ourselves to communicate adequately with the rest is what causes disharmony in the system. And all of those systems were observations of chi. They were all chi-based systems. Mm. And and imbalances and um, disharmony, how how does that manifest itself? Well, um, an imbalance, the easiest way to understand it is the prime directive is keep the chi moving. Uh, okay. And we have little energy freeways throughout our bodies. The Hindus call them the nadis. 
-hmm. The Chinese call them meridians. And nevertheless, um, um, where they converge, those would be points on an acupuncture chart or the chakras, which are vortexes, um, giving you a prime directive for a certain kind of um, life situation. So first chakra has to do with grounding and stability, right livelihood, uh, rent, home, basic stuff, the well-being of the body. And then second chakra has to do with kidneys, genitals, urinary tract. Mm -hmm. um, that has to do, that's, I believe, the emotional archive oh, for okay. um, how we came <clears throat> to recognize self and other. In that first chakra, it's just we're alone in that me, 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 me. I got to eat. <laughs> and um, and then in second chakra, childhood development, my stuffy toy, my mom, mm -hmm. so forth. Mm -hmm. Third chakra has to do with will. That's your solar plexus, your, your digestive tract. That has to do with your um, your fire, your passion, and you, when you think of it, digestion is releasing calories. It is a combustion yeah, engine. Yeah, it's a combustion engine for sure. And your heart chakra—that's true. That's love for self and others. And then the throat is um, truth to self and others. So that includes jaw. So those of you clenching your jaw out there, there might be some truth. <laughs> truth need needs to, to say. be. <laughs> and then there is the sixth chakra. That is the the third eye. Uh, creativity, insight, foresight, hindsight, all manner of vision. Mm. And then the crown is our connection to the universe. The fact that we actually are truly made of star stuff. We are the residual minerals left over from uh, stars birthing and dying. If we take vitamins and minerals, those minerals have to do have are left over from kind of the Big Bang. So eating really stars, we're eating powerful. stardust. Yes, when we take minerals. Yes, nice. yes, and we are stardust, yeah. quite literally. So the disharmony part uh, is when this chi is not moving, right? And somewhere it's stuck, and we get sick, or we have. Mm, difficult relationships or yes um and it starts we there's a, a, a external uh boundary we call the way chi that would be our aura that's our immune system uh that's our defenses psychically emotionally physically and when once that's breached then um, there are actually in Chinese medicine two different causations. There's an internal and an external. The ex I'm speaking from the moment of external invasion, wind, cold, heat, damp, those things. Um, they violate the, the Wei Qi, go internal, and the deeper and deeper they go, the more likely it is to become hardened as an illness. Not ah, okay. just as an energetic disruption. However, an in, you can have an internally generated disharmony. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there again, you know, 
they would kind of look, Chinese medicine would kind of look at that. Let's say stroke, for example, is wind heat. In uh, starts out in the liver, it becomes hot, it boils over, boils up to the brain, boils the brain. Hmm. That's kind of how how they how they energetically how they look it. at it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So so when we kind of look at each of these systems, whether we look at and, and I should say Chinese medicine developed out of Taoist principles. Right. Right. And uh, Wicca developed also out of an understanding of nature and observations of energy. So very strong similarities there. And Hindu medicine, same thing. You know, the the nadis are very similar uh, to the meridian system, although there are numerous more, more nadis than there are considered meridians. Nevertheless, they're all going to nature. They're all using nature as their fundamental observation and understanding of uh, vital life force energy. And so there's a there's in, in sort of implicit in holism the as within so without model as exactly. well, right? It's not just it's not just a um, this is a structure that exists inside the human body. Um, it is a ref- also a reflection of the natural order of things. Yes, yes. And that all three systems also share this idea of a complementary duality. Right. right, um, right. Yin-yang, uh, paths of labor- liberation manifestation in um, a Hindu system, uh, God goddess in in Wicca. Mm-hmm. So it, it seemed very natural for m- me to begin to at least use the similar two sign that we use in mathematics right, to right. be able to look at these and and recognize Wicca as a holistic system and a a, a um, arising out of the s- similar principles that. Um, that you don't see written about very often. No, there was, um, but Wicca came out of the, what was left of the indigenous peoples of Europe. How, and Taoism came out of the indigenous peoples of China. Right. Um, and, uh, Hindu, the same. Yeah. Uh, so, so when you kind of look at it, those things go back. Eons. Oh, yeah, it's part of the it's part of the biological emergence of human thought, and an understanding that you had to pay attention to your and you had to revere your environment in right. order to live in balance with it. Well, that that's a particularly poignant comment um, in terms of everything that we've been talking about here in California. We are dealing with this pretty significant drought year, mm-hmm. uh, driest driest winter in since the 1500s according to some estimates Mm -hmm. um keeping the chi moving disharmony Mm -hmm. um and and what do we do about it um and and we're and it's a sabbat right so Mm -hmm. this is in bulk and um i i kind of want to get back to that because there's uh, I, I want to know what Bridget has to say about all this (laughs) okay okay well um I'd 
like to encourage you uh, listeners to go grab a piece of paper, a couple of pieces of paper, and a pen, and make a circle on one of the pieces of paper. And then from top to bottom, draw just a dotted line bisecting that circle. For now, that's just our yin-yang. We know that that's actually a teardrop, but yeah, curly. No, yeah, yeah. Middle, but, but nevertheless, you know, for right now, we're just going to assume that there are uh, there's a dark half of the year and the light half, and then we're and we're working our way back into the the light half of the year. Mm-hmm. So um, get that that circle bisected, then horizontally bisect the circle. That's going the 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 longitude, the vertical line is going to represent your solstices. Those are turning points for the dark and light. And then the equinoxes uh is the um bisection at the horizontal. At the equator, point. so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the equator, thank you. So then now that you have those, now you're going to draw two more lines that divide your little pie into eights. Mm-hmm. So we call them quarters and cross-quarter days. The quarters represent the solstices and equinoxes, and the cross-quarter days are is that bisection into the eights. So we moved at Yule, if you happen to be joining us at the Yule celebration, the Yule was the rebirth. Uh, the sun had journeyed through uh, the dark and was then reborn, and we along with it. And we looked at what intention, what general broad statement we might be able to make. So if you happen to remember what that is, write that down on another piece of paper. Mm-hmm. That's the header. Now, um, sort of biologically, um, when I think of Yule, I think of the seed buried in the ground, but not germinated. Um, right, like your the wild composted seeds are, seed. Your, yes, your, your yes. composted okay. seed. You conserved a seed from your harvest, but that which was already plowed under. Yeah, that's sitting. the seed I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now at Imbolc, which is that first eight of the pie over as you go clockwise. And that date is February 2nd, February 2nd, yes. In bulk is the first planting. Something has to happen before you can plant. You have to decide what you want to harvest. If you want carrots, you have to plant carrot seeds, and then you have to commit to the entire tending process. Mm. Mm -hmm. If you want rutabagas, you have to find the rutabaga seeds and you have to commit to having rutabagas and you can't be surprised or disappointed when you get rutabagas. Right, right. Can't say, I wanted carrots. Precisely. <laughs> Too late. Mm-hmm. So this particular ritual explores the power and magic of our words, which is very, very ancient magical tool Mm. and most specifically commitment Mm. 
Okay. All right. Well, so that's this is going to be juicy stuff. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about commitment and the power of words and where that takes us. You bet. We'll be right back. At Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us. Host a show or be a guest or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable change makers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, helping you find and shine your inner light. Welcome back. You are joining us for Discovering Taoist Wicca with Susie Peltier, also known as Lady Redhawk, and I'm John Carousella. Susie, so um, we're at Imbolc. There's more to the year, though, right? Yes, indeed. The um, As I had you drawing a circle, let's quickly kind of fill in what those other lines represent. Um, in, uh, if you start at top, Yule or Midwinter Solstice was December 22nd. Uh, roughly 21st, 22nd. And then now at in bulk is the February, is February 2nd. The horizontal midpoint is the vernal equinox. That's Ostara. That's generally March 22nd. The next notch is Beltane. Everybody's favorite is Beltane. May Day. <laughs> Maple. Um, and then the lowest point is summer solstice. Uh, and what do we call that? That is litha. Litha. And now you're entering the dark half of the year. The time is declining. Harvest is beginning. The next um, one, the the Sabbath opposite in bulk is Lamas. That's first harvest. So we're making our first planting now at in bulk, which should be ready to harvest at Lamas. Mm. Then you have autumn equinox, which is called Maybon, and that's the 22nd of uh, September. And then the the one opposite Beltane is Samhain, and that's October 31st. And mm. that fills out our, our year. Okay. So um, keep this handy. Because we'll be referring to it from time to time um, as each show, and you can kind of see how how the the yin and the yang of the year play together. Mm. Um, So when we get back to in bulk, we realize that um, this celebrates the Celtic goddess Bridget, the sun, the hearth, and the forge. And the power of our words to make commitment. And really without commitment, very little can actually happen. It's almost like, like, um, commitment is the, is the container of structure or the, or, or the, the thrust of structure that allows us to take the unchanneled energy of the sun and start to channel it into 
productive action. Yes, yes. And to kind of set the tone for today, I brought a um, a poem from Goethe. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiation and creation, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. That the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves to. All sorts of things occur to one that would never have otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidences, incidents, excuse me, and meetings, and material assistance, which no man could have dreamt would come his way. Whatever you can do, dream you can begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. Hmm. Yeah, commitment. It's uh, it says yes, right? It says it says a firm yes, and that yes is a resonator for a whole bunch of things that happen. Yes, including an understanding that the universe operates on a kind of four hundred one k matching program. Uh, I know a lot of people haven't had four hundred one k programs <laughs> in a really long time, but. Um, once upon a time, you put in a certain amount as an investment and the company would match you. Uh, the universe plays that way. So if you if you go all in, the universe will back you. But if you tiptoe in, big toe in, big toe out, big toe in, big toe out, then then the universe isn't going to bother showing up for you very much because you aren't actually fully showing up. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard you know, I think about this as a as like like a resonator, right? Like a resonance condition. And mm-hmm. um resonance happens when something is is firmly struck um or plucked um or strummed and it, it's easier for that to be reinforced, those harmonics to be reinforced. Are they reinforced with less less energy than starting it up again? Mm-hmm. And so, if you hesitate, you're actually not keeping the the flywheel going, and you and it's hard for any for for that energy to be in a, a strong attractor. Right, it falls flat. Falls flat, yeah. And. The other thing that people don't realize is that there is such a thing as our magical reputation, which is kind of with the universe listening to our thoughts. And quantum physics is clearly saying, yes, indeed, it does listen. Because if we look at quantum particle slash wave and we expect them to be a wave they will come out a wave and if we expect them to be a particle they will come out a particle this is really mind-bending <laughs> <laughs> true but mind-bending <laughs> so so when we aren't fully showing up 
And we use words as the first means of showing up. We make a statement and the universe is listening. And if we do not follow up, we lose our own self-esteem, but we lose part of our reputation with the universe. Why would, when you go to really summon up, you're doing a banishing and you really need those, those energies to back you because you can't do it in your meager self and you've been haphazard about everything else. How fully are they going to back you? How fully are, you know, because you are standing there relying upon your magical reputation. Mm. Yeah, and again, I, I, it feels to me like what comes up for me is, again, this idea of, of a, a crystal goblet or a tuning fork that is, that is clearly resonating mm-hmm. versus one that's, that's not clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of got glop on it. And so it can't resonate cleanly. So it doesn't generate the signal that the other energies can tune into and amplify. Right. That's uh, admonishment to for all of you to bathe. <laughs> <laughs> Quite so. <laughs> in, in every conceivable manner. <laughs> Keep yourselves clean. <laughs> and also, you know, today we'll be kind of scouring out what our what has our reputation been like lately, hmm. and. Um, And cleaning and clarifying that so that um, you take it back to you don't have to commit to anything you don't feel comfortable with. But you do have to commit to life. And to, some, to something. There's a beautiful, beautiful line in our involc ritual, that which cannot commit to another year of growth will not pass through your fire. We're talking mm-hmm. to him, to, um, uh, to Bridget. And this has special meaning for me because my mother passed away on in bulk. Oh. But nevertheless, you know, you do see up through in bulk, you know, those people who simply just don't have the commitment to do another year. Mm. Yeah. Well, that is, it's very powerful. That which you cannot commit to in growth mm-hmm. will not pass will not through pass. the fire. Yeah. Mm hmm. So Imbolc is the festival of the first planting, and it celebrates the spring maiden, the birth of the baby lambs, Mm. hence the ewe's milk. Um, It's also known as, sometimes it's simply called Brigid, and she was the Irish goddess of the sun, the hearth, and the forge. It's also called Candlemas, because oftentimes many candles are lit in Brigid's. Well, yeah. it's it's because she's a, she's really got a lot of a lot to do with fire and heat, mm-hmm. right? And so celebrating her presence with candles is a, a natural thing for us to do. And and there's something about the heat and the and the intensity and focus that comes from light, or or light and heat compel us to focus or em, empower us to focus in mm-hmm. some way. Well, it certainly empowers us to see things differently. Certainly, that's true. (laughs) But also this idea that like attracts like, 
And just as a rain stick was used to make rain because it sounded like rain, you have many candles lit or the fire pit cleaned out and reset and a fire lit to honor the sun. Mm. Like attracts like. Right. So the fire you're building is a metaphor not only for the spiritual fire, but for the return of the sun. And you can just imagine, you know, in Ireland in February, it's still pretty cold. You know, I was just, just going to say, you know, there's there's a lot in the in the traditions that come to us from the Northern Europeans uh, that has to do with understanding and fending off the cold. Mm-hmm. And the celebration of the return of the warmth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I imagine there's some pretty deep metaphors and uh, powerful magic that's associated with understanding that in its in its complexity and, mm-hmm. and depth. Mm-hmm. And so the, the <clears throat> again, as we uh, I mentioned earlier, that this is the first planting. So it'll follow, be followed again at Ostara by a full planting. And then at Beltane, we bless what we have planted with love, the fertility of love. And But right now we have to consider, well, if you want carrots and you want them to be flavorful, everything you have to commit to absolutely everything it's going to take to bring those carrots to your table. And oftentimes we can kind of commit to an outcome, but we forget that we have to commit to the process. I think that's super powerful. Let's talk more about that. Well, goddess is a Bridget, Bridget is a process goddess. She's not a miracles goddess. She's uh, recognized for smithcraft, poetry, and healing, all of which are finely refined, crafted skills taking years and years of practice. And so I, I um so it doesn't matter whether you're you're a healer or or a jeweler or um whatever you want to become in your life. There's a process of down and dirty work with it. Right. Yeah. And she's not she's a taskmistress. She's not going to let you off. She doesn't wave the magic wand and have it happen. No. <laughs> no, she's not a miracles goddess. Mm. She's a process goddess. And um she teaches us that the components of commitment staying the course, clarifying intention, working with focus, will, fortitude, tenacity combined with hard work she teaches us to be accountable rather than judgmental and being accountable is the ability to give an honest accounting of your choices and actions whereas being judgmental there's the good judgment about you know you need to look both ways at the crosswalk but for the most part it implies a often a criticism and often a hidden expectation of perfection Hmm. and we hear the minute we hear in our self-talk or somebody else's talk to us about should you should the minute that starts that takes all the fun out of it 
Mm. Should is a saboteur. Of of fun and and openness to what creation. Because you um even if you were gonna clean your room, the minute somebody says you should clean your room, that is awesome. Well, but and and also yeah, and also the the idea that um you know something should happen, uh, you can set the intention for it to happen, uh, and then in the process realize that something else is unfolding, something that's delightful is unfolding. Right. But if you have the should stuck in your in your motion mm-hmm. you're less inclined to be capable you're less able to allow that other thing to unfold because you're tied to the should of what should be happening instead of what is right yeah that can right. be a real right it it's in a way saying support can only look this way right exactly or progress or, or love or Anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It only has this little fine, finely threaded needle yep. that it can meet my demands. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't usually go that way. <laughs> um, and I should also say that underneath, oftentimes, and I'm going to speak a, a about it later, but trying isn't doing. And so in our language, not only is should one of those words you should put a nuke sign over in Mm. your mind's eye, try is another one. Mm. Because if you invited me to dinner, Susie, I'm going to try to make dinner. Do you want to come? I'm going to look at you and go, uh, can you cook? <laughs> <laughs> but it's very common then for me to say, well, I try, I'll try to make it. And we're kind of taught to allow that to stand. But really, you don't know whether to include me. Mm, right. You don't know if you make a portion or don't. You know nothing, and I stay unaccountable. That's very big uh, dodge. It's well, yeah. It's uh, I think we may have talked about this briefly earlier in prep. um, That it's not. We feel like it's impolite to say no. So this comes right. back to commitment and what you commit to and what you clearly choose to not commit to. And that it's okay not to commit to not. Mm-hmm. Or to negotiate to get a clearer agreement on what you are saying yes to. I think that's probably also an underutilized tool in our culture. Right. And we just say, well, I'll try or I'll think about it and don't. And so when, so when do we, ultimately we end up making decisions based on what? If we're not committing and we're Mm -hmm. not clearly committing to not commit, Mm -hmm. to to say no. We're not saying yes and we're not saying Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. So what's happening? Well, we're living our lives in, in ambivalence. And going back to that 401k matching program, 
Then yeah, we're, we're not a good resonator. Changing ourselves. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. So choosing choosing ambivalence is dissipating our potential. That's true. That's interesting. Yes. Ooh. Okay, everybody, <laughs> think about that. Yeah. Choosing ambivalence is dissipating your potential. Right. That suddenly ambivalence doesn't seem so uh, attractive. Right. It's comfortable, but there's not a lot of upside in it. No. And mediocrity isn't safe. We've given ourselves the illusion that somehow or another, if we dumb it down, don't rock the boat, color in the lines, play life safe, but it's truly just a default setting. It, it's, it actually is kind of just leaves you as compost. You stay as compost for somebody else's commitment. That's right. That's true. And that's that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now it really doesn't sound very attractive. Right. Right. <laughs> just because many have chosen conformity doesn't make it comfortable. It just makes it numb. If you're trying to wake up as a spirit move the chi, then yeah. allowing your voice and your truth and your spark to emerge and giving something your all is the only way the universe will support you. Until one is fully committed, there is hesitancy, a chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Yeah. So, like a toothache, you know, we we can numb it, but we know ultimately it's going to demand attention. And the more we put it off, the more likely the ramifications are greater for having put it off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just keep coming back to this... Uh, the ambivalence is is a, is a dissipation of of potential, and and what's in your soul wants to be expressed. You know, your, right. your destiny wants to be expressed, and the longer you spend dissipating your potential, the harder it is to gather what remains to give your soul a chance to express its purpose. Exactly, exactly. Yes. So. Like it or not, you know, the, these innate spiritual urges. Um, the Tibetan Buddhists call them bodhicitta. Mm. Um, these urges for spiritual awakening. Um, is like that sprout trying to break through the ground, trying to make it to the sun. Mm. And that's perfect for this kind of time of year you know we have little bitty green sprouts well these, these these seeds that we plant uh they don't they're not ambivalent no you know no, they're like, going like for a it. seed a seed is going for it it's got one shot uh and it and it gets in the ground and as soon as it germinates it's like okay let's move yeah yeah and that is our natural urging as well so all of the ways that we dumb it down or or try to conform or uh, live by somebody else's truth, we are 
sacrificing or trying to tamp down that bodhicitta. And um, it's a slow death. It's a slow death of passion, self-expression, spirit. And success doesn't have a safety net. The only full in, in, only with full investment can we have full reward. Fulfillment. So the word of, work of magic and transformation demands that full investment and commitment is nothing short of full investment. So why do we choose not to? I mean, it seems... Okay, well, why do I choose not to? <laughs> Good question. Uh, it's well, some of it is some of it is um, too many choices, mm-hmm. right? I could do this for a while, but maybe I'd really mm-hmm. rather do that, or well, maybe I'd really, really rather do something else. Um, and I think that that might be kind of a a, a problem of an affluent culture. Mm-hmm. Well, we have so Two many degrees, choices. Yes. Uh, but some of it's existential. It's like, wow, where do I really, what is, let me, let me really, if there's a process here. You need to connect to your spirit and follow that voice. And the problem is we have made too loud a culture. Yes. So we don't have the time we don't take the time, the solitude, to get in touch with that voice, to hear clearly the direction in which we're called. <laughs> yeah, we definitely had this conversation earlier about yes. how spirit was telling me to stop. The yes. whole month of January, I've been champing at the bit to to uh, get going into this new life that I am have the opportunity to cultivate. And spirit's been like just putting a hand right in my face saying, stop, stop, stop. You are not allowed to proceed until. And the until is really about being still and being quiet. And right. Not introducing more variables. It's right. Like, right. Well, there's a shakeout period. What we fail to realize, you know, in our go, 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 whether it's just after a ritual or whether it's... um uh something so huge as having made your Samhain journey uh, through Yule, there's a tremendous, you know, you just made it into rebirth just a little over a month ago. Give yourself a break. Yeah. There, there's, you know, huge shedding has happened. And... Uh, there's still, that's the reason, if you look at the Tao, there's signs from solstice to solstice, there's a slop over of that dark <laughs> a little bit. Right, it right. isn't the straight line we drew by a long shot, you know, and that, that there's a processing that has to happen pre and post rituals. It's very crucial to the process. And if we truncate that process, either to push ourselves into to social environments too soon or or um, uh, work too soon after that. All of that energy that's been loosened that needs to be processed gets pressed down back into your system. Mm-hmm. And 
So, you know, I can't say it more importantly that if you are doing ritual, you need to give yourself shakeout time. Don't have commitments after a ritual. You know, it it isn't just a matter of you'll be a little discombobulated so you shouldn't go to a dance class. You know, minimize your contact with people. Allow yourself to be silent. Bathe. Walk. Go to go to the ocean. Mm. It, it's things that allow you uh, rest. Allow you to be still so that the rest of the ritual can per- percolate up. Yeah, the ritual isn't isn't done. It when, isn't. When it you... doesn't go ding when the right <laughs> right the circle is uncast. Yeah. No, yeah, there's an impro- a whole process that needs respecting there. Um, it's like. Um, You've done all this work to bake a cake and you've eaten, even beaten it by hand because you really wanted to put a lot of magic, a lot of effort into it. You wanted it to taste great. And then you come along and say, oh, I want to go do something else. I'll take the cake out now before it's done. Mm. And... Or take it out and not let it cool properly. And so not let it cool it and so not, forth, you know, so you, everybody yeah. burns their tongue on it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can't frost it. And you can't frost it. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. You can't right. frost it. So, um, but it, the interesting thing to kind of break down what we're doing here, Bridget uh, means fiery arrow. And um, so we fire three fiery arrows in this ritual. The first arrow addresses chakras one through three, the, 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 the mortal well-being, Mm. I'd say. Some people call it money, sex, power, but it's way more, way more than that. (laughs) Handy shorthand, but not necessarily. (laughs) And, and so these have to do with your, your finances and your health and your home and those and and um, repairing and healing old emotional wounds and things like that mm. uh, that that are stored in the second chakra as kind of an emotional archive. Um, and then the second arrow has to do with your spiritual development, developing the chakras uh, four through seven, and um, then the that addresses, so the first three chakras address balance because we need balance in our, in our lives to be healthy, to be sane, mm-hmm. you know, to be happy. And then the next one is we need empowerment and that empowerment comes from spirit, really. The capacity to open up to wisdom and, and uh, gain clarity and have uh, inspiration and truth and love temper our needs and our behavior. Mm-hmm. So that's the second arrow is is just commit to a spiritual growth of some kind. Third one is to belonging. We are increasingly isolated, even though we can Twitter and um, Facebook and all of these things, all of them are relatively isolated and isolating 
forms of communication. You can be in your chair here and I can be way over there. Mm -hmm. But there can be no depth. And and if indeed upward of 90% of our real communication takes place in body language, we are missing out on 90% of our capacity for communication by yeah. using these, mm -hmm. these other means. So it becomes increasingly important that we nurture a sense of belonging, even if your practice is to be a solitary. But nevertheless, especially if you're spiritually minded or witch-born or um, it's altogether more important that you know that other people are out there who experience the same high degree of sensitivities that you do. Mm. Um, and, and to be in, in fellowship with them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that one we use as a kind of a joining of the circle process, but you can use it to uh, find a community you enjoy, volunteer time with them, um, and so forth. It doesn't have to be to the circle. Belonging is the is the key word. Is the key word. However, you express that is entirely up to you. <clears throat> and these are these are arrows of commitment. Yes. And so we, we metaphorically uh, write the commitment on the arrow as we load it into the bow. Is that the idea? Yes. Yes. So. Think about for a moment what you're committing to and just in general um, uh, you know let's say right livelihood and so that's Roman numeral number one. We're making an outline, and each of those commitments will have a, B, and C tangible goals come Ostara. But right at the moment, we're just putting in the Roman numerals, the the, the general commitments. Mm. So the first one has to do with getting those first three chakras squared away and squared supported. Away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, maybe it's healing. Okay. And then later at Ostara, we might say, okay, get to the dentist. And uh, but right now we've got Roman numeral one healing or, or, and Roman number, and you can have as many for a, an arrow as you want. You don't, are not limited to a single commitment. But just know that whatever you commit to, you have to work on. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, we touched on that earlier, the, uh, the sort of obligation that we feel to say yes when what we really mean is I don't think I'm going to be able to serve that completely. Right. So we say I'll try. Right. Right. Problem is trying isn't doing. Right. Okay. And so it is a word that conveys ambivalence. And we already talked about what ambivalence is all about and yes. why that's not something we want. Right. All right. So let's take a short break and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more about uh, in bulk commitment and uh, ways forward. Wonderful. All right. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this broadcast of Firefly Willows L-I-V-E on Blog Talk Radio. For information on Firefly Willows, please explore our website, fireflywillows.com. 
or like us on Facebook. A personal tarot reading can offer you insight, information, enlightenment, and empowerment along your life's path. Hi C is a professional tarot conversationalist and ritualist with over 10 years' experience. He's available for readings in a variety of formats, including parties and events. To schedule your personal tarot reading, contact Hi C at tarotbyhic.net or email him at hic at fireflywillows.com. Welcome back to Discovering Taoist Wicca. This is our in bulk program with your host, Susie Peltier, also known as Lady Redhawk. I'm John Carasella. So, Susie, it's uh, commitment, trying versus doing. Oh, I, I, ambivalence. <laughs> we can talk about this for a while, but there's, I'm sure there's more to, to discuss here. Yes, yes. Well, we can't live life without commitment. And so most of us really have to look at what's hard about commitments. Mm. And it's a multi-layered question, really. And some people will literally say, I'm commitment phobic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that going on. They not only own it, they're proud of it. Now, they're kind of... They've got to take it or leave it. So why? So why attitude. do we? Why? Why are we in this place where we're commitment phobic? What's? What's the? It's a symptom of something. What? I, I think the symptom is that we were not allowed to say no. We were not allowed to question. We were not allowed to negotiate something. Mm. And then the people pleaser. Then we're we're given if we're not the top one percent, then um, patriarchy. And I'm going to define patriarchy differently. It's not just power in the hands of men, a small handful of men. It is the conscious disenfranchisement and the disempowerment of the rest. So men and women both grow up with a knowledge that they are not an alpha and therefore have to take less than. And so they wind up in agreements that are less than satisfactory. Mm. Because somewhere along the line, they were robbed of that fundamental belief that they deserve better. Mm. They deserve better treatment. They deserve better pay. They deserve better... So this, and this relates to to commitment and the unwillingness to commit. For fear, they will let someone down, someone will think less of them, or they will come to the conclusion that what they have set up, they have, they are now proving themselves right. I.E.C. I couldn't do that. See, I'm not worthy of having that. So we wind up our thoughts being things, project in the universe listens, gives us back the response validating our expectation. If we live life with low expectations as in we are undeserving, mm-hmm. then we will get 
less and less mm. of the goodies of life. So consequently, it makes us not feel like we want to try because we are, we are so, we've been greeted with such harsh judgment that we never learned accountability. So always, instead of learn, instead of the self-talk that is holding oneself accountable, mm-hmm. it is, I feel guilty. I feel bad. Yeah, and so, so. I don't want to disappoint you, so I won't try. Right. Yeah, we don't want to fail. We don't want to right. fail we because failure. But we also don't want to succeed. There's a real fear of success, just as much as it is failure. I remember going to a um, to a class uh, many many years ago, and um, I realized in it, you know, my father had been very depressed. He was a um, young man in the depression. Was very smart, would have made a wonderful college professor, but instead he was pressed into being a welder, ruined mm-hmm. his body, oh. was terribly depressed. A very, in his own mind, probably a very failed man. And I realized in one of the processes they were putting through that I had never wanted to embarrass my father by superseding. What he had manifested. Yeah. Wow. And all, yeah. And also in that same, it was an Excalibur workshop with Reverend Matt Garrigan. And also there was a very powerful uh, story that I'll share with you that I think is very germane to this conversation. Um, Very early on in the workshop, he says, okay, half the room over here, half the other half over there. Now you're going to pick partners. And it's just like life, there are no rules. So we looked around, and, you know, he hadn't given us any criteria. So some people who'd come with friends, we picked them, and, you know, I was just grateful somebody picked me. But <laughs> and, and but there were some people that didn't get picked. And then round and around we went. And he would say, okay, pick again. It's just like life, there are no rules. Some people picked the same partner. Some people thought it was fun to pick another partner. And some people didn't get picked at all. And you could begin to see by the 10th round, people were beginning to think. I was having recollections of being a fat kid, having the, the, the teacher bribe the captain of the team to put me on the team. And I was faring way better than some. And uh, round and around we went. And this is this Keep picking, keep picking, you know, just like life, there are no rules. And then eventually, about the 20th go-around, and half the people were in puddles and heaps on the floor. Really? Yes. Wow. Reverend Matt steps in the middle and he says, Now, if you thought your word doesn't matter, look again. Wow. These were arbitrary choices. But look at the impact. That's stunning. Yeah. Boy, howdy, did I clean up my act after that. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that I had been picking people to hang out with who were as slipshod as I was about keeping their word. And I was bad, you know. I, 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 I would, I once had to pay the Fed 
400 extra dollars because I had ignored opening a letter that, that said I'd miscalculated on my income tax. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was really in avoidance of life. Not feeling like I was up to the task of taking care of it, to be honest with you. Hmm. But nevertheless, you know, it cost me. And I realized that I was picking other people who were slipshod about their word. Consequently, we never, we made a loosey-goosey plan to get together. And if somebody bailed, it was kind of okay because you could bail on them. And, and I realized, wow, I wasn't doing myself any good that way. Mm-hmm. And when I started to say no, you know, I now know from the receiving end what that feels like. Um, and then much later, I would come into the idea of energy bubbles. And this is, uh, uh, if you remember a cartoon and you see, you see the, the little foggy one that you know is a thought bubble. Mm. And the thought is in the cartoon. And then what they say is in some other bubble. But nevertheless, you see, see what they think. Well, if I make an agreement, well, let's let's do lunch, and we set a time, and I am looking forward to it. I'm hoping you're looking forward to it. Right. That process of looking forward to it is sending energy into this bubble. It becomes energy held to be released in that experience. We are future casting at that point, mm-hmm. and then uh, you call and say, oops, sorry, can't do it today. Now, I've got all that energy. I have to reclaim and reallocate. Right. That is not only do I have to deal with my disappointment on that, Hopefully we've rescheduled so I, I know that there's, right. that there's actually a time it will fit. Yeah. And that I know you well enough to know we absolutely will make it happen. But what if you have a pattern like that? That means I don't dare fill that bubble with enthusiasm. Yeah. So there's two, two, two things that come to mind. One is there's, there's a hefty restocking charge. Right. Right. That bubble got funded. Right. Now you're going to defund it. Right. Um, and there's there's also then the the hesitancy to invest in the bubble. Right. To invest the energy, you know, the anticipatory energy to to clear your decks and because and hold them open and hold it. Yeah. Hold the space for that. Yes. So what so what does that do to the to the what's the consequence of that? It deteriorates the relationship. Mm. If it's if it's a pattern. If it's a chronic. Yeah. Well, it, what it mean what it means is the relationship is not one that has commitment in it. Right. In mm. which case if you're living by commitment, if you want to live in a state of commitment where you know your word is your magic. And you want and need the universe to back you. Right. You can't play with people who don't play at that level. It comes back to to commitment versus ambivalence and the power of resonance 
that you get when you're clear. Right. Mm. So in bulk is this place where we, you know, uh, in the wheel of the year, where we have a chance to say, okay, we've been in compost mode, mm-hmm. right? So we haven't had to have commitments because we're really just supposed to be shedding and reintegrating ourselves into the soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but along comes in bulk and it's like, okay, now we're ready to leave the place of ambivalence and sleep mm-hmm. and gather ourselves for our mission. Mm-hmm. Well, you set an intention at Yule, yeah. and that was sufficient. And hopefully there was, there has been a growing, as the light has been growing, mm. a, a, a bit more clarification on that intention. So something about, so, so, the, so the intention at Yule does not require a process. It's the, it's the culmination of all that work in clarification that happened during the compost process. Mm-hmm. Once you've gotten rid of the old, now you can see in general what you want to create. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to get more specific. Roman numerals, right? You know, this is where we engage the process. This is where we actually engage the self-coaching process thoroughly, because now you're going to kind of make an outline, which is a project plan, Mm. Mm -hmm. and you're set forth your your A B C tasks for each one. In, in our next ritual at spring equinox, but yeah. right at the moment it has to be guided by the intention, informed by the intention. And then you have to see, ah, the intention's actually broken down in getting these, these lower chakras balanced, getting these spiritual chakras awakened and listening and growing and, um, realizing that I'm on one planet in a living organism and how am I going to contribute and to what am I going to contribute? So Yule, we set intention and allowed that to just be. Mm -hmm. And in bulk, we're committing to specifics. Yes, and it will get even more specific specific as the ABC at Ostara. But right now, we're starting to create an action plan. And it really it is the commitment piece. It's the it's the Goethe uh, yes. poem. It's like yes. you've got to commit in order for progress. It, and for the universe to support you. Mm. Right. And that's the difference between regular coaching, you might say, and doing Taoist Wicca as a coaching program. Because <laughs> you get the universe on board. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're allowing the the process of intermittent um, introspection and certain questions that come along with the seasons. What will you plant? Mm. And if it if you're not cultivating your food, what in your life are you cultivating? You still have to cultivate yourself. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I I always say this place is a garden, mm-hmm. right? This planet is a garden. We reap what we sow. 
And you can look out, look, you can just look around and see that we are actually reaping exactly what it is we're so, we sow. Uh, and, and sometimes that's a good harvest and sometimes it's not a good harvest. And sometimes it's a, it's a harvest that's rich with color and flavor. And sometimes it's a harvest that's rich with other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, this, this place very definitely responds to our, our action. Our thoughts, words, and deeds. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that we do is in in, in the um, as to we do a little binding spell in the in uh, the imbolc ritual that you state your commitments, and then I as priestess take a piece of yarn, wrap it around your your wrist. I bind you now, word to deed, action to result. Mm. So might it be. So. So you recognize that words are empty without actions. Actions unguided are also going to yield less than... Yeah, they're unfocused results, results, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this energy bubble thing is... Really key because I think if more people understood it, then then relationships would not deteriorate quite so much around um, people being chronically late or or things like that. Well, and I think it, you know, seems to me like it relates to not just that's relevant to not just interpersonal relationships between humans, but uh, our relationships that we have with ourselves, our relationships that we have with uh with our environment our interactions with our environment are and in particular our the relationships that we have with our destiny mm-hmm. right if we're not uh if we're not aware of the restocking charge <laughs> yes right we we so so in a way uh, a lot of what we talked about today comes back to um the difference between an efficient allocation of our life force, our chi, mm-hmm. and an inefficient allocation of our life force and our chi, and imbolc is is a is a call to engage process. Mm-hmm. You know the, the under the auspices of Bridget as a process mm-hmm. goddess, mm-hmm. Uh, engage process to help us. Be efficient, be effective in in walking the path of our destiny. Yes. And the tools in the ritual help us to understand that you know ways to do that well, and where ways and, and places in our lives where we're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And um, one of the one of the ways that um, I have found most effective to discern because we're always kind of trying to future cast well you know uh should i make this commitment well the simple question is in your mind's eye can you see yourself doing it if you can't chances are you're either not meant to participate or it isn't going to happen Mm. i'll tell you a very good example of that i had a girlfriend um 
who was going to get married, and she found a wedding dress um, up in Sonoma. We live in San Francisco. And she said, uh, would you come along with me? I want to show it to you. And I said, be happy to. And then she said, my appointment is such and such a time. And I said, ah, well, I have to be at work at, you know, and that gave me about a four-hour turnaround. Mm -hmm. Doable but tight. Right. And I really wanted to do it. I was going to be in her wedding. Her family is all on the East Coast. There's tons of sentiment. She's my adopted sister. Tons of sentimental reasons why it meant a lot to me to go with her. Yeah, yeah. And yet, for the life of me, I could not see it. And so I asked her for a few days, let me think about it. And I, and again, and again, I would go there and I just couldn't see it. I could see how fun a scene like that would be. But on that day, could I see it? I couldn't. So finally, I called her back and I said, I'm really, really sorry. I think I have to beg off of this. I don't know why. I just can't see it happening. And she called me about three hours later. And she said, well, I started my period and I've got terrible cramps and I canceled my appointment. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I t- I use that tool a lot. If I just sit with it and ask myself, can I really see? And is that happening? is that future casting? Yeah. So so this is actually really this is really powerful and useful. Future casting in Wicca. Now future casting in hypnotherapy. There's a term for a process called future casting. Okay. Well, it's different. Well, okay, but let's let's stick with this because uh, I think this is super helpful. Um, uh, it's a, a very illuminating tool for a couple of things. First of all, of course, it's it's an illuminating tool for realizing, you know, for for manifesting a vision. Mm-hmm. But it's also a useful tool again for what you can't commit to, right? What you should commit to not, right? The not part of this right. exercise is so important, right? Because we're so commitment phobic and commitment nervous because we're afraid of over committing because we're all over scheduled well you know all this western culture mm-hmm. overload mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. and you know I, I shared with you earlier that and on the show as well that 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 january was this month of of uh spirit saying no stop mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. do anything and so my my vision of, you know, what can I, you know, like all this stuff that I had in my mind about mm-hmm. what I was going to do <laughs> has been really, you know, kind of put on ice. Mm-hmm. And so the question then becomes, what can I see myself doing? Mm-hmm. And I think the exercise of future casting is a good one to say, okay, well, there I have this idea, mm-hmm. uh, I have this concept but can I see it? Mm-hmm. And if I can't see it, what can I see? Right, right. And I, I, I have been coming back to this very, very regularly, uh, more so now 
than probably in the last two months than ever in my life uh, is an awakening to being receptive to what's mm-hmm. there, what's being offered. You mm-hmm. know, one of the ways that I deal with my my latent road rage mm-hmm. is to, instead of saying, instead of being in the car demanding that circumstances be different and angry about my helplessness to effectuate that, uh, I say, what is being offered, mm-hmm. right? What I want isn't being offered. Mm-hmm. What is being offered? Mm-hmm. What can I see? Mm-hmm. And uh, so this the idea then that I can... let go of what I had in mind Mm -hmm. and instead embrace what I can envision, Mm -hmm. right? So what can I see Mm -hmm. and allow that to be enough to allow me to commit Mm -hmm. to at least that. Right. And, and the other, um, uh, the other piece of that is negotiating time. So, Again, I will kind of tune in and I will take the the number that's repeating itself to me. So, if, you know, so if if somebody says, "Well, what time shall I get together? Should we shall we get together?" and two o'clock keeps pestering me, I have no outward criteria for two o'clock. Mm. It's just the the Looks time like that in. keeps popping up for me, mm-hmm. and therefore that's the one I go with. And and sometimes I will have talked to someone, we will have arrived at one or something like that, and I'll have to call them back, and I'm saying, I'm sorry, can we scoot that to two? Because two keeps popping pestering in. me. Right, right, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> And not that I really had anything planned for all morning or the day before. Right. It was just that something kept telling me two was going to be better. And and the vast majority of the time, that's absolutely bears true. Right. And somehow you're align, things align so that you now have time to do something that you wouldn't have had time to do before or some other serendipitous connection. Happened. Or there were going to be unforeseen distractions that would not have allowed me to be on time if we had set it for earlier. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so again, listening, right? Yes. It's, it, it's, a, it's another form of developing your intuition mm-hmm. and then following that. And being okay with negotiating from a place of intuition. Yes. I think that's, that's pretty interesting too. Is like, I, I don't necessarily have a reason for saying two o'clock, and you've suggested one, but two o'clock feels better to me. Right. So I'm going to ask for two. Right. And what's the harm in that? No harm in that. No. Right. Um, again, you know, if you were raised from a kind of disempowered place, from people telling you what to do, mm-hmm. then then the idea of negotiating for anything seems very foreign. Mm-hmm. But actually, everything is an exchange of energy. And when you look at a negotiation from that place, then um, if you if you if you've made a commitment that you realize that you can't keep, to be willing to go back and first of all own, I I can't keep that. I'm really sorry. I need to own that. Yeah. 
and then be willing to renegotiate something that you feel that you can. And if nothing else, sincerely apologize for the fact that there's nothing else you can offer. But the uh, that otherwise you don't stay current with your commitments. You allow old commitments to demand new choice, demand that you work with an old situation rather mm. than saying, "Wow." This is an un- unworkable situation. For so me. there's a delicate balance between committing and st- sticking with your commitment. And, and in the presence of a commitment made, acknowledging that something needs to change. Yes. Yes. And I call this kind of, this thought kind of um, escape hatches and bail clauses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the universe will never ask you to sacrifice your self-respect to be in a relationship. If you find that you're doing that, that has something. Your relate that's your relationship to um, to mundane expectations. The, the, the so certain, certainly to some old wound or some wound. Yeah, yeah. But the universe is never going to say stay in a battering relationship. Mm. N- out of loyalty. Right. The universe uh, uh, is having made to the commitment, you're stuck. Right. No, it's never going that. to say that. No. No. Um, and so, if a situation is asking you to lower your standards of treatment, that, that take away your dignity, your self-esteem, um, or your safety, your safety, that is not the universe talking. Mm. That's a really powerful and simple way to think about it, too. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's not about self-aggrandizement. And it's not about, you know, climbing ladders of opportunity or anything like that. It's about, you know, it's about integrity, personal, spiritual self-respect and self-integrity. Mm-hmm. And the universe never... If you made a commitment that leads you into that place, then that that commitment is, is should it's be renegotiated. Automatically null and void. You have a right to your psychic dominion. You have a right to um, not have your psychic space invaded, um, your physical space invaded. You have a right to safety, security, well-being. Mm, right. Right. And um, the universe will never ask you to sacrifice that for any previous commitment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I do want to make a distinction between... That was a bail clause I was talking about. That That's about whenever we make a commitment, we are fundamentally committing to ourselves, making that commitment a promise to ourselves and to the universe. And then we include others in that pact but fundamentally it's always between us ourselves and the universe Mm -hmm. and having a bail clause kind of means yes you know you do not have to keep commitments that are not healthy for you and you have a right to change those commitments Um, but you have to stand up and renegotiate or change those commitments. You can't just, you know, go out for cigarettes and never come back. That's right, not what right, that, right, that right. is. Right. Um, 
But an escape hatch, there are some people that will enter into a relationship and not go all in. And meanwhile, the whole time they're in that relationship, they're building a back door. They're building an escape hatch to that relationship. They're setting up little ways in which that person's going to become wrong, bad, and horrible, and they get to leave. Mm. Well, that's pretty... They're, they're setting, setting up an old pattern based on wounding that says everybody I love leaves me or, or blah, blah, blah. And I imagine that's also true whether it's relationship with a person or relationship to any other commitment that you might make, right? Job. Like job or career or a course of study or... Absolutely. You know, anything. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I want to just throw this out there. There's a commitment that we make to our personal integrity. Yes. And I wonder how many times we build escape clauses into those. Yes. Because, you know, we can, we excuse ourselves. And, you know, I, I, this isn't, this isn't to, 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 you know, pull out the, the, the iron rod here and be right. a, a harsh taskmaster, but it's just a reflection that, you know, we, we gotta get clear about who we insist that we are. Right. And who would we insist that we are going to become because it is, essential to our integrity. Yes. And when we bail on those, when sorry, when we write escape clauses, mm-hmm. build escape hatches into those in, into that perspective, that that comes back to ambivalence and mm-hmm. the and the inefficient, you know, dilutes our potency in the world. And it erodes our self-esteem as well as our reputation with uh people, but also with the universe itself. It deteriorates our relationship with ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was once said, and I don't know who to give credit to on this, but um, self-esteem is the reputation we have built with ourselves. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, very powerful. Um, so I want to lead you in this these uh, uh, closing minutes just in a little meditation. This kind of picks up where we left off in Yule, you might, if you listen to that show, we sat for a moment in Caridwin's Cauldron. And uh, by the way, if you're driving and you can pull over, good. If not, you might want to turn turn your pause, uh, button. pause button down on this one. But just go silent for just a moment and allow your breath to carry you. Allow your bottom to sink in the chair. Allow your thoughts to drain down through your body, out your tailbone, right into the center of the earth. You're allowing yourself to become relaxed. And any noises you hear in the room, any scents you smell, Just allow them, notice them, and let them become just one more thing you think about and breathe out. So your thoughts just drift like clouds 
focusing on any of them, but rather focusing on the interval between the thoughts, allowing space in your being for all of the possibilities that you carry. Now that you're not encumbered by the past, the old years, now that you've released regrets or are in the process of releasing regrets, notice that your breath carries out anything that's ready to go. And in a moment, not right now, but in a moment, as you're relaxing, you're going to notice that you are walking through a field that you're about to cultivate. And you see dirt clods and rocks and stumps and things that must first be cleared out of the way. That's a bit of your past. But you notice that just for today, you're only going to clear a small patch. So just move whatever is going to be problematic for the plow, for the hoe. And now you have a bag of seeds. And one seed says, job. One seed says, home. One seed says relationship. One seed says desires. Another seed says heart's wishes. So what will you plant this year? Extend your hand and just notice which seeds you pick up. Maybe you need a new home. Or maybe it's time to step into a right livelihood that is in conjunction with your divine purpose. Maybe it's time to end a relationship or renegotiate one. Do you want to manifest this year? See yourself 
fulfilled, happy. Not necessarily without challenges, with a sense of purpose, joy, contentment. What seeds do you need to plant? What commitments do you need to make that you may harvest this picture? And when you are ready, pick up as many seeds as you need, but be careful. These are commitments. You'll need to keep your commitments. You'll need to be accountable for your commitments. Now picking up those seeds, the careful little holes to plant them, Lovingly turn the soil over on top of them. Bless them and water them. And know that you are the farmer in your life. Whatever sprouts, whatever you tend will come to pass. And know that some you will need to replant next year for they are not yet ready to harvest. Maybe it's a book or a graduation or getting your law degree Things that take a long process of profound refinement, but will surely, with full investment, come to pass. And plant those commitments. And know that you are the fertile soil and each choice holds the power of creation. You deserve a good life. You came here as a spirit to make a contribution. Know that you are loved. by the Creator and that you in your very being you do already make a contribution you are already on the path and when you are ready 
We thank Bridget. And we ask the blessings of Lakshmi for prosperity and peace. We thank Ganesha to remove our obstacles. And we say Namaste to each of you. We are grateful for your divine reflection. Merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again. again. Namaste, Susie. Namaste. Thanks so much. And we'll be back for our next show, Discovering Taoist Wicca, on Astara. Astara, on the spring equinox. <laughs>